Nice to have you company. It's Steve Allen on a Sunday morning. Where's the weather? Where's Hurricane Bertha? Where's the rain? Nothing. Four o'clock, said this morning. Four o'clock. So I, I armed myself at four o'clock with my pack and mac, Miss Howard Wester, walked outside the front door, bone dry. Arrived in town. Going to be a bit chaotic later on. They've started putting up the barriers for the bike ride later on, so be aware. Mind you, it depends how bad the weather gets, doesn't it? This morning, the worst B-list celebrity show on the television. Baroness uh, Varsi speaks out, as indeed we knew she would. Prince Harry vows to stay in the army. Louis Walsh drops off the stage. And Daniela Westbrook has a public spat with her boyfriend. Those and other horrendous stories are after the news. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everyone. Can you see people cycling when it's raining? I mean, do they cycle when it... I mean, if it, if it tips down, as bad as Peter was saying a minute ago, I can't see anybody when get out there cycling around. 22,000 of them. There's going to be a lot of very wet cyclists. Very unhappy. If it's going to be as windy, it sounds dangerous as well. So we'll talk about that. We'll let you know where the road closures are as well a little bit later on. Prince Harry's vowed to stay in the army. He said, being in the army is actually better than, well, I'll leave it to your imagination. I thought, what, eating yoghurt? You know, I'm assuming he's talking about SCX. Uh, Kerry Katona's fella is going to spend time with the Speakmans out of the frying pan into the fire. Uh, is White D going to Celebrity Big Brother and do you care? Baroness Varsi speaks out. You couldn't keep her quiet for a minute. And the worst B-list celebrity show on the television. Oh, we tumbled for that one. Yes, very sad, isn't it? I did watch it. I had forgotten it was on. Uh, only because they're using that, um, that, um, can't remember her name now, the girl from the, from the one show, Alex, Alex, somebody. Anyway, her. Instantly forgettable on the programme. Uh, as indeed is the programme. Although, the, uh, the list of so-called celebrities, I mean, I don't suppose, unless you found a dead agent in the cemetery, you'd be hard-pushed to find anybody who was actually interested. And so, so out they dragged themselves. H from Steps. Now, I didn't, I didn't want to be rude about him, because, to be quite honest, I thought he'd aged so badly, he looked like a different person. When he was in Steps, he was infuriating. And then he came out, and that was a nasty shock for everybody in the business. Nobody had any idea that H was actually gay. And so he sort of came out, and we went, oh, shock, stood, stood back in amazement. And then, then he does this, this tumble, I should point out, is this programme where uh, people learn how to fall and stand on their head and do silly things like that. Some of them made an effort. I have to be honest, and it grieves me to say so, he was actually very good. He did backflips. And stuff like that. It's just, he's such an irritating little so-and-so. You could have happily strangled him. It's as simple as that. He's, he's just, he obviously thinks he has to be this ooh, little chirpy thing, whereas in fact, you know, that's the annoying thing about him. If he actually didn't do the silly little chirpy and the fake stuff, it would be fine, because he was doing very well. I think he got top score as far as I saw it. Then we got to Lucy Mecklenburg, and uh, so she's, uh, she's out with a new fella, and of course they've been pictured in the papers already together. So, because, you know, she only has to be with somebody five minutes and she goes out with them. And he apparently was seen going into a house in Brentwood. I'm assuming perhaps she had some new recipe for something. And uh, so she wasn't much cop either. Uh, Then we had various other... The bloke on the panel is Lewis somebody, who's got the funny haircut. And I can't remember what his name is. He's very irritating. He's very, very irritating. I mean, apart from the fact the haircut is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Makes Joey Essex look somewhat normal. Uh, Absolutely awful. And then we had uh, Sarah Harding. Now, I knew she was going to be a total disaster, because with Sarah Harding, it's all just posturing. There's a lot of posing, but she can't actually do anything. 
And so in the case of this one, she's... First of all, we had her in rehearsal where we had the whole drama queen bit. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I thought, no, you can't. So why are you on there? You're a fraud. Anyway, she then does this half-hearted attempt to cling onto a ring as it's hoisted up to the ceiling. I was hoping they'd take it really high. And uh, then it would break. But, I mean, that's just me being caring. So I watched this programme, and at the end of the day, I thought, well, you've got a few people who they've brought out there. Some are celebrities. And Emma Sams, for goodness sake, from Dynasty. Emma, couldn't believe her. Um, the, the idea was there. Unfortunately, Alex Jones, I think it is, from The One Show, who presents the programme, is not the world's greatest presenter. The BBC are trying to turn her into to something. I don't know what, but she's just not very good at it, which is a great shame. Um, H, if he dropped the silly little show-offy bit, that might actually be fine, and he might concentrate. But when he starts behaving like a silly little girl's blouse, it really gets your goat. And you can't watch it. I mean, I'm assuming Lucy Mecklenburg we can get rid of immediately because she's a waste of time and space, as was Sarah Harding. Too much publicity in the paper, very little actually rehearsing and trying to get something right. All she had to do was cling on to a ring. It wasn't that difficult. It really wasn't. On the subject of Hurricane Bertha, we most certainly have Bertha in Cardiff. Absolutely pouring with rain, says Karen. Well, apparently we've got it in Kent, but I'm not in Kent. I'm in Leicester Square in London. I'm looking out the window. I brought my little brolly. Got my little brolly, all ready, all ready to go, and nothing at all, nothing at all, which is a shame. Uh, in Arizona on holiday, says uh, Rosanna, suddenly realised I could listen to you on my iPad. Missing home, but not the weather. You see, I don't, I don't, if, if, you're, if you're staying in, I don't, I don't mind looking at the, the rain through the windows. I think that's actually quite nice. I think that's actually good fun. Steve, the idiots with their bikes were driving around Twickenham at 3am, bikes strapped to roof bars, and all I could think was... Chuck it down with rain. Yes, you know, I, when I drove in this morning, Dan, I had two cars, one either side of me, with bicycles strapped to the back, and I thought, they must be going on this bike race thing. But then I did see some other cyclists in town. In fact, I've seen quite a, quite a number, actually, quite a number of, of cyclists in town. And also, they've started closing off some of the roads. So roads in Piccadilly, where you would come out and turn right, you can't turn right. They've blocked it off. So they're going to send you out. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of parked... So I can presumably get away from it. Mind you, if it rains, I can't see that they're actually going to go ahead with it, are they? People going to cycle in the rain? It's bad enough on the roads as it is. 22,000 cyclists is my worst nightmare. My worst nightmare. Uh, TV star Mario Falcone. I said TV star. Pathetic little idiot Mario Falcone, who was caught snorting, I think is the correct term, cocaine in a friend's kitchen. He's uh, written a grovelling apology to the producers of TOWIE, and he said he's, uh, he's actually getting help. It's a load of old rubbish, isn't it, really? I love the way that people now go, oh, I'm sorry I did that. And you think, no, you're sorry you were caught. You're not sorry you were doing it. You're sorry you were caught and sorry you were exposed by the newspapers, who, frankly, if it happens on a daily basis, I couldn't care less. As far as I'm concerned, if you want to shove needles up your arm or snort cocaine, that's your business. Some kids are doing this, this sniffing of this gas thing at the moment. And somebody was explaining to me the other day how it worked. And you buy lots of these little canisters. You can buy them on Amazon. You can buy them on Amazon. You can get like a hundred for 50 quid because they're legal to sell, which is the odd thing. You've got to be over 18, but there's no guarantee when you buy them that they're all full because it's like buying an ink cartridge for your computer. And you think, well, I'm sure that shouldn't have run out. I mean, mine seemed to last for years. I don't think I've ever had a cartridge run out on me. And yet I bought two. So I've got two spare things because I've hardly ever used them. But you buy these little canisters and some have got nothing in them. So you're, you're kind of wasting your money. Huge profit on them. They sell them in nightclubs for about £3 each. I've been doing my research. Not for me, I'm way too old for that kind of thing, as you can well imagine. 
Even though my uh, producer, Sam, during the week said uh, the influence of the Steve Allen show has now rubbed off on him because the other night he had Chicken Kiev and Prosecco. It, it's kind of good, isn't it? I'm, I'm gradually getting everybody into Chicken Kiev. Although I had... Well, I just realised I had Chicken Kiev last night as well. I'm sure it's not good for you. I'm sure it's not good for you. Uh, Louis Walsh falls off the stage, which I think must have been the funniest thing. You haven't seen any of The X Factor yet because they're filming it and they're editing it beautifully. Um... Unlike the Sinead O'Connor interview, which a little bit slipped through, frightened the life out of me. I thought he'd come back to haunt me, young Christopher. Well, I've got to work with this week. Poor old Chris, he's got enough to do in the building. And then we've got interviews. We've got Tony Blackburn to do tomorrow. And then we've got... Who else have we got? We've got two on Tuesday, Wednesday, funeral to go to. So not really looking forward to that, but I'm sure it'll go very well indeed. And, um, and then a sick crook is in all the papers today. And you never understand what makes people become become light-fingered from a cemetery. From a cemetery. This man was stealing things from children's graves. He's a 46-year-old. I'll, I'll tell you what his name is shortly. But the only reason he got caught is because one of the couples put a teddy bear on the grave with a tracker in it because stuff was going missing. So they thought, if we put a teddy bear on there and there's a tracker inside it, so they, they open up the teddy, put the tracker in. They're very small. And then they actually sewed it back up again, put it on the grave, and he took it. And they tr- It's a 48-year-old man who steals from cemeteries. I mean, he's quite clearly sick. Although my favourite programme on the television, and I don't know what it's called, but it's, I think it could be called Bait Car. Have you ever seen it? Oh, it's fantastic. It's in America. Over here it would be a little bit slow. But in America they have a 4 by 4 which is all very nice indeed, and they leave it deliberately with a key in the lock and the door open, and they park it in a place. And in America... There's a lot of people who are light-fingered. So they see it, they walk past it a couple of times, the next thing, they're in the car, they can't believe they've got it, and they drive off. Unfortunately, it's a set-up by the police to catch these people, and they control the car. So, in other words, they can turn off the engine and they can lock the doors so they can't get out. So you see these... And they've got hidden cameras in the car, so you get these guys in the car talking, yeah, we've got the car, we're going to go and do this, we're going to do that, and all the rest of it. Then all of a sudden the car starts slowing down and the police car comes up behind them and they go, oh, there's a police car behind us. And then the next thing is the car turns off and the doors lock. And that's when they realise they've been caught. Fantastic. I mean, it, you, you could probably do it over here, I would think. It would probably... They might even do it over here. To be honest with you, I wouldn't be at all surprised. It's a great idea for a television programme, Bait Car. It's great. Uh, if you want to monitor the bad weather, says Howard, install the app called Rain Alarm. I don't know why we get so... Fa- it's only rain. It's only a bit of water. I sat in a shower this morning. Loads of water. Loads of water. The difference is you're not going to stand outside with your shower hat on, are you? Not that I wear a shower hat. I don't want you to think anything odd about me. Uh, Paul Hollywood's in uh, a couple of the papers today. I don't like Paul Hollywood. I never liked Paul Hollywood. I liked him even less when he cheated on the wife, but I thought, well, I'm not married to him, so I, didn't really, I, d- I couldn't really care less. I just thought that the wife was sort of, you know, she went back with him afterwards. But apparently now he's so worried, you know, because she could have taken half his money. She could have done really well. So he, he rings her three times a day whilst filming. I bet you do, pal. I bet you do. Different types of flowers every week, regular surprise gifts of jewellery. And you think to yourself, he's kind of making too much of an effort. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of, it's a case of, oh, look, I really love you, I really love you, jewellery. I'm thinking, what are you up to? What are you doing? That's what, that's what worries me. I think about things like that. I thought Christo was uh, a little bit harsh, if not accurate, uh, when he was talking about Bob Geldof. And Christo expressed some cynicism in the fact that Bob Geldof was talking about the death of Peaches in exactly the same time as he's launching a new album. And you can't help feeling that there is some cynicism there. And uh, I think Christo felt a little bit guilty, even suggesting that there might be a little bit, something a little bit 
little bit naff, I'm afraid, about talking about the death of your child and then talking about your album that you're launching. As if anybody's interested. An album from Bob Geldof, excuse me. I mean, pff, faded has been years and years ago. It's like Cher Lloyd's album. She's fighting, apparently, to save her career with Psycho because the, uh, the last album she came over to, rem- to promote... Bearing in mind, she lives in America. She couldn't give a... couldn't give forex about you. She's not remotely interested in any of the fans over here, otherwise she'd have been back sooner. But she came over to promote the album. She'd had her hair done. They tried to sort of make her speak properly, but it's failed. And uh, the album's not shifted. It's not shifted. And so, you know, things look a bit tenuous. I think she did 10,000 copies. And they're going, it's not good. There's no point in keeping somebody if you only sell 10,000 copies. And the truth of the matter is, nobody likes her. Nobody ever likes Cher Lloyd. Least of all, Louis Walsh. She was horrible in the X Factor. She goes, oh, I've grown up now. I thought, no, no, no. You must think we're stupid and we forget. We know exactly what you're like and that's why your album didn't sell. And if you notice, by, by the same token, Lily Allen's album never sold either. And she was on every programme. In fact, I used to get bored turning on the television going, oh, look, it's the weather. Oh, look, there's Lily Allen on the weather. Oh, look, here's Children's BBC. Oh, it's Lily Allen again. And she was on everything. Actually, talking of Children's BBC, I must tell you something about that in a moment. Quarter past six. Don't forget my In Conversation with Sinead O'Connor and Robson Green, repeated this evening at nine o'clock on LBC, uh, just after Clive Bull and just before the lovely Duncan Barks as well. So I'm watching the television and they had a really lovely trail uh, and I didn't know what it was. I thought perhaps it's a new video that's coming out or a DVD at the very least of all the children's programmes over the years. It had clips of multicoloured swap shop and I can't remember half of them, but they were just brilliant. And, and then they put on a couple of other things. I thought, oh, I wonder what this is an advert for. CBBC. This is Children's BBC. And, and then I thought, how odd. They, they've sort of shown all these clips, but they're all from old programmes. Programmes they don't have on Children's BBC anymore. In fact, the ones that they've got at the moment aren't half as good as the things they had in the early days. Now, and you've got to put up with the likes of Dick and Dom. And that's about as good as it gets, I'm afraid. There's a few other little things aimed at the younger end of the market, but for sort of other people. I heard an advert as well. Who was it? Fern Cotton, for some radio station she works on. I mean, with a voice like that. But anyway, and she was saying, if you're between the ages of 12 and 17, I thought, 12 and 17? Is that the age group that she appeals to now? 12 to 17s? Because then I was watching an old episode of Celebrity Juice with Holly Willoughby. It was possibly, and I can't even describe how 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 rude it was, because this is a family programme. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on television. I'm not a prude. I'm not embarrassed by things. I just thought, for people watching it, and young people, and Holly Willoughby, you know, attracts a young audience. You know, she sells herself as a yummy mummy. And on this was the most disgusting thing. And so, I can't repeat it. You can only imagine if it's got Keith Lemon's name on it, who, who doesn't rank anywhere, I'm afraid. Nobody's interested in him. They're desperately trying to push him ahead, but I mean, it's just, it just, it's just rubbish. And as for Alex, poor Jones, even Bridget says, I agree with you, she lacks personality for presenting a programme like this. To be honest with you, Bridget, she lacks personality, full stop. Even on the one show, she's, she's lame. As presenters go, as a BBC presenter, because they, they, they tend to fall out of a mould at the BBC. They tend to, to look roughly the same. They've all got the same sort of hair. It's, it's what I call the Selena Scott thing, where they sort of sit there, they look demure and they read an auto cue. Unfortunately for Alex Reed, she's never quite refined the art of presenting, so she looks like some sort of girl who's had a few sherbets in the bar on a Saturday night and goes, I can do it, I can do it. It was as bad as that, I'm afraid, as bad as that. Malcolm says Sinead sure hit the nail on the head with her views of the X Factor and what she thought of the judges. Yeah, she's not a fan of the judges at all. She's absolutely not. And Phil says, are you sure 22,000 cyclists will be your worst nightmare? What if they were the naked cyclists? 
Yes, the naked buck, 22,000 naked people. It's enough to turn anybody to drink, isn't it, really? <laughs> and Malcolm says, I will be watching Extreme Fishing in future. It's on Quest, after hearing your um, conversation with, uh, with Robson Green. He loves it. Although I was right, you know. I was right. Um, and he poo-pooed it, because I think I don't wonder whether I was wrong. If you turn a shark over... It does go to sleep, and they do that with that. Not the big shark. You're not going to turn one but a, but a baby shark. You could turn over, and then they can fit them with sort of trackers and stuff like that. So there you go. Um, another one here. This says, uh, "I'm like you, dislike tattoos." Oh right. A Bollywood actress has her boyfriend's initials on her neck. They were in love until she caught him having hanky panky with this stunning new actress. I don't like anybody having tattoos on their neck. I'm sorry, I, I did do this last week on the programme, and I did say that I couldn't quite understand what was the purpose of having a tattoo on the back of your neck. Why, but you can't see it. How do you know that the tattooist hasn't written something, you know, really interesting, like, this person is so ugly, don't look at the face? You know, I don't know. Looking at the uh, the papers and the coverage of, of Tumble, uh, uh People aren't really sure about this one. It's been billed as the new Strictly. But to be honest with you, with such a bunch of Z-listers, uh, Nadia Comaneci, Andrea McLean, but she'll turn up to the opening of a fridge. You know, she is... I mean, she, seriously, she is boring. She's ultimately boring. Uh, I like Peter Duncan. And, uh, and, and some of them did very well. John Partridge, apparently, uh, was, the, was the best one. So that's according to Bridget, anyway. So I'm, I'm assuming he was, he was good. I still thought, though... I still thought that uh, that H from Steps, irritating little so and so that he is, you know, he's he's just and he's aged so badly. I felt sorry for. Him. I thought perhaps uh, perhaps he. I don't know what he's been doing since he stopped miming with. Sorry, singing with Steps. I'm assuming he's been out there sort of painting and decorating. I haven't seen him on anything else. He turned up on one thing, but he's just irritating. He's just silly, you know. When you get somebody who's silly on the television, I could, you know, had he re- he he could have turned it round and sort of ingratiated himself to the British public. But I imagine most people think the way that that I do. Um, they've got uh, all sorts... Of, they had uh, Sugar Babe, Amel Baraba. I don't even know who she is. I've seen pictures of her in the paper. She apparently wears her underwear quite a lot. And they had all, all sorts of people on there. Um, I didn't know who the, the judges were. Somebody called Craig Heap, who thinks he's Craig Revel Horwood, giving scores, you know, tight scores out of ten. And so I, I, I did sort of watch it. I mean, it, it is interesting. Um... Alex Jones, when she descended from the rafters in a hoop, looked every bit the latest summer filler. And that's it. She's not, she's not good enough to be main presenter, even though they put her on every single programme under the sun. You can put her on everything. It was like Christine Bleakley. The moment she moved from the BBC was the moment people discovered she actually can't present. Graham says, wasn't Sinead o- uh, O'Connor monotonous and boring? You're joking. I thought she was fascinating. I thought you were the only person who said that. Everybody else thought she was absolutely fascinating. Even people in the, uh, in the business. So I bet you anything next week there'll be quotes from Sinead O'Connor in the newspapers. I bet you. I put a pound on it. I'm quite good at putting money on, uh, on things like that. No, I thought she was great. I thought she, I mean, she actually could have been terrible. But she was, uh, I thought she was really interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, Two eight ones says Dan, are running in two sections from Hounslow to Teddington Lock. Two eight fives from Heathrow to Teddington Lock. One one ones, Heathrow to Fullwell, where you can change and get the 281 to Teddington Lock. No choice but to walk to Kingston. No buses till after six tonight. Got buses leaving the garage at Fullwell. Out of service to Chessington. Get this, via the M3, the M25 and the A3. All this, he says, for a bunch of saps in Lycra. Glad I'm home for the day now. Lycra. 
I know, isn't it odd? Isn't it odd? I was down the Barmy Arms yesterday, had a couple of little sherbets in there, and everybody started cycling. Alex started cycling. Everybody's going cycling mad at the moment. Perhaps I need to get a bicycle. It's a way of keeping fit, but I couldn't, I couldn't really keep up with 22,000 people uh, on, the, uh, on the road today. <laughs> and I think I'm in the right place for getting out. I think I'm in the right place. I do hope so, anyway. All the roads are closed in Weybridge for the cycling event, says Stuart. I look forward to seeing you racing through the Surrey Hills later. Well, I mean, if it, if it tips it down, whichever... Is it rain, can anybody tell me if it's raining in their area and tell me where you are? Because I'm looking central London. Here we are, Leicester Square. Nothing at the moment. Absolutely nothing. And I was waiting from four o'clock this morning. I'm all geared up for it. I'm all geared up. I've just, I just haven't got anything. You watch. Before I finish this programme, the heavens will have opened. But if it's raining where you are, do, do please let me know. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, X-Factor staff had to rush to help Louis Walsh the other day. He was doing the uh, auditions. He was filming a segment for the opening credits when he fell off the platform a few feet below. Simon Cowell, Cheryl and uh, Mel B looked shocked as the production staff rallied to check if he was OK. Obviously, nobody moved. Cheryl's out there, wait, can't move. You right, Louis? Couldn't care less. She hates him, doesn't she? She doesn't like him at all. But uh, they realised he had escaped unhurt. The girls were looking very glamorous and ready for action as a sign, and then suddenly Louis fell off the stage. I've warned him about drinking before the programme. I said, don't drink before the programme, Louis. I think that must have been quite funny. You see that on It'll Be All Right on the Night and stuff like that, don't you? Where all of a sudden the, the kids are all sitting there, and the next thing they all fall off the back, back of the stage. I do laugh. Shouldn't really, but I do, unfortunately. Uh, here she is, former, former, former star, former everything, former cokehead, former, former failure, Danielle Westbrook. And she was out, luckily, with a photographer on the street the other day. I always say luckily because other, nobody's walking down the street. They go, oh, look, Danielle Westbrook. The photographer is practically standing next to them taking a picture of this public spat. It's all to tie in with the fact that they reckon that she's been offered super big money to write her autobiography because she's had a dreadful year. Who on earth is going to be remotely interested in buying an autobiography of Daniela Westbrook because she's had an awful year? You know, most of you have probably had an awful life. Nobody's interested in your book, are they? Nobody's going to be interested in Daniela Westbrook. She's a show-off, an attention seeker. You know, and so she had an argument with her little boyfriend, who apparently is a cage fighter. Make of that what you will. And, um, and then she points at him and then she picks up the phone. And then, so perhaps he's been sending sexy texts. Perhaps he's a bit like a Jason Manford. I don't know. Whatever it is, it was captured with a photographer, so dead lucky on that one. Otherwise, nobody would be remotely interested. And unfortunately, that's the way we are on the programme about Daniela Westbrook. 84850, uh, What else do we have today? Oh, I love... This was an interesting story. This was an interesting story about Lloyds Bank. And I, 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 I couldn't quite get it either. This is Brian Packham. Brian Packham uh, swaps his... Um, HSBC account for a Lloyd's account and he goes in to visit to query payments on it. Bearing in mind, I'll just tell you what he is. He's, uh, he ran pubs and restaurants and hotels for 37 years. Then he's had to retire with bowel cancer. So he goes in to query a missing payment. And wait for this. This is really bizarre. The Asian woman manager said, do you have a problem dealing with Asian people? So Brian goes, uh, no, why? And then she says, apparently, you're a racist, aren't you? I can tell by just looking. She's obviously highly intelligent, this woman. Anyway, uh, he said, when she said it, I was shocked. 
He said, I'd done absolutely nothing to give her that impression. The fact she was Asian doesn't bother me at all. I now feel a bit uneasy in front of Asian people because of it. I've worked as a publican for 40 years and always treated everybody with respect. So he goes to this branch in a place called Odeby in Leicestershire. After a regular standing order hadn't gone through, a, a, a cashier blamed his former bank which has now moved his account from weeks earlier. But when he went to the HSBC, they gave him proof the details had been successfully transferred. And after speaking to the same Lloyd's cashier, he asked to see the customer service rep. 40 minutes went by. And, you know, I mean, I'd be pretty fed up standing there for 40 minutes in a bank as well. And so um, it was that then when he was allegedly asked if he had a problem with Asian people. People kept coming in during his interview to the office. So he said, well, these people, this is a private interview. And she said, you know, my colleagues just want to make sure there isn't going to be any problem. And at one point, um, he said, I was a bit confused and asked, why would you be unsafe? She said, um, um, you know, well, I've never really liked it. Anyway, she then said the, the, the door was security locked and he wouldn't be able to open it. She then said, you are a racist, aren't you? Do you think they've got him confused with somebody else? I've never heard of conversations like this. Anyway, Brian's solicitors complained. And what have Lloyd's Bank done? They've offered £300. I mean, she's quite clearly a very odd customer services person. Do you not think so? I think so. Uh, right, we shall do the uh, news in a moment. We've got the news in a moment? We have. Who with? That's the only problem. We haven't got the faintest idea who it is. You know, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. It's 630 Peter Ferris. America. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 27... No, it's not. It's 26 minutes. No, it's not. It's 20, 27 minutes. Just seven. Does it make any difference? It's cycle day. If you're one of those cyclists who is taking part later on today, and I can only hope that the weather is kind to you, for all those people who wrote to me on Friday saying, we're off on holiday next week, what do you think the weather will be like? And I'm going, well, I wouldn't bank on it. Mainly on Sunday and Monday. Apparently tomorrow's going to be a bit windy. And today is just going to be terribly, terribly wet. So it looks highly likely that we shall not be walking around Regent's Park with a dog. <laughs> it's going to get very wet. So we're still waiting for Hurricane Bertha. In London, you might have it where you are. I don't know. In which case, do, do let me know. Uh, Prince Harry is in a lot of the papers today. He's decided he wants to stay in the army. This was after I raised the question the other week uh, of poor Harry, who just trailed behind William and Catherine. And I said, he is in the army, isn't he? He is actually doing something. I don't want... I mean, William, when he decided that he was going to be the, uh, the ambulance helicopter pilot, I was quite pleased, because up until then, I got the feeling that they just wanted him to do royal duties. And I think he likes doing royal duties, but on the other hand, I think he'd quite like to have some sort of a career at the same time. If they can marry the whole thing in together, well, then that, that'll be fairly good. And I suppose if you don't get him, you probably get Harry, you get Charles on occasion. The Queen is cutting back... Quite definitely. And then I saw a picture in the other day of the paper that I did not think I would see. Sarah Ferguson going to Balmoral. Was it Balmoral or Windsor Cup? Wherever it was, it was where the Queen was. And apparently she can go, but the moment Prince Philip's on the way back, she's got to get out as fast as possible because, as you know, it's been a well-documented fact that he can't stand her. So when the family have their, their Christmases, Sarah Ferguson's not invited. I think because... And I'm only guessing, because I don't know, I've never been there for Christmas, but I always thought that Sarah Ferguson didn't actually have any class. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not a case of... I thought Diana had class. Sarah Ferguson just looked like jolly hockey sticks and looked like she'd wandered out of a St Trinian's film. She's a, she's a bit, as far as I'm concerned, like Prince Andrew's daughters. Oh, wait a minute, they're Sarah, they're Sarah Ferguson's children. Perhaps it runs in the family, Beatrice and Eugenie. You know, I feel, I feel I've, I've actually seen them in Cinderella. 
they had the ugly sisters in Cinderella. And, uh, you know, and then Sarah Ferguson fits in quite nicely. But I always thought Sarah Ferguson, no class. And if you get, you know, it's, no, it's like a lot of the people who've actually got money in London. And they've done a big survey today on how much of London is carved up by the super rich from... Uh, from from Russia, super rich from China, all around the world. The super rich come here because they can buy huge big properties and it's wonderful. But they've got no class. They're trying to buy class. Half these Russian people over here, they've got loads of money, but they've got no class at all. You only have to look at them to realise that they wouldn't know which glass to drink out of if they were presented with six wine glasses on a table. They wouldn't know. Baroness Varsi has uh, spoken out, as indeed we knew she would. There's obviously a lot of bitterness that she's been harbouring for some time. I think my favourite quote was on the front of the... Um, I can't remember which it was on the front of... But she was saying the, uh, the bitchiest uh, women in Parliament are the men. It's a very odd comment. Uh, she says Tories can't win the next election. Cameron has failed the ethnic minorities. There's obviously so much hatred inside of her. She's decided to bottle it all up for a little while and then get it all out at the same time. So that's exactly what she's done. It depends whether you whether you sort of um, whether you take any notice of what she says. But she's uh, she's in all the in all the uh, the red tops today. The grieving mum who hunted down the thief who stole gifts from her son's grave has found him. This is Joan Holland, who visited her 16-year-old son Andrew's grave every Sunday since he was stabbed to death in 2007. You know, the worst thing for any, any mother and father is to lose a child. They, as they always say, they're supposed to bury us, not the other way around. Anyway, she, um, she put, you know, different things on his grave because it made her feel better. Now, some cemeteries don't like that. They go and clear things. I remember there was a... Um, a case about a year ago where a London cemetery was just plagued with lots of toys being put on graves and the vicar had said, listen, we don't want it. And families are being told, if you don't move them, then they will be removed. And it's, it is, it's, it's slightly different. It, it, it's a difficult thing because I've not been in that situation, but I can understand that it makes parents feel closer to their child. Anyway, uh, she decided that it was her way of staying close to him by putting a teddy bear and other things on his grave and they'd systematically gone. So she bought a £200 tracker uh, now, whether she got it from the police, I don't know, but he stole the... It was put in the, the teddy bear, and, of course, the teddy bear vanished. And it led the police to Anthony Bolshaw's flat in Bolton. And it was like an Aladdin's cave, filled with items, uh, including a porcelain doll and an angel from Andrew's grave. I'm, I'm delighted to report he's been sent to prison for 12 months. Not long enough, as far as I'm concerned. Because you, you buy something, and it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter whether it's a pound or a hundred pounds. You put it on a grave because that's, that's where your loved one is. Well, they're not. That's where their earthly body is. And, uh, and then somebody pinches it, and you think, no, we have to find out who it is. What on earth possessed him to pinch things? I've got no idea. We had a couple a few years back. Do you remember? Who were stealing flowers from cemeteries and reselling them in their shop. They would get into the cemetery at night, go round the graves and steal the flowers that people have put there for their loved ones and then resell them in their shop. I mean, that I found possibly the most reprehensible. Seeding a teddy bear, though, I don't think it matters whether it's a teddy or, or what it is. It's the fact that they stole from a, a grave and uh, from a, a child's grave as well. Actress Chelsea Healy. God, when was the last time you acted, dear? I don't think you've acted for ages, have you? Well, we've seen a few sort of half-hearted attempts at you going out there attempting to be a Z-less celebrity. But apparently she's got um, a new man in her life, but the pictures aren't the sort that you'd really want people to see. He appears to be smoking, uh, I don't know, smoking something that isn't perhaps, what I don't know. To me, it looks like it's a rather large joint, but then again, that's just me. I mean, you know, I'm looking at something like this, if you're going to roll a cigarette up, who rolls a cigarette up looking like that? Then in another one, he appears to be sort of doing one of these sort of gun 
things, you know, as if he's some sort of gangster. And and I don't know whether or not Chelsea Healy is of limited intelligence. I know nothing about her apart from the fact she turns up on, you know, a few third-rate, uh, you know, shows, and then the rest of it, they say, oh, she's an actress. And I don't know what she's been in. I'm sure she's been in something. And, uh, oh, she's going to play a tea lady in the next series of Casualty. Oh, right, so that's really going well, isn't it, Chelsea? That's the best your agent can get, is it? A tea lady in Casualty. <laughs> that's like Mrs Overall, doesn't it? That's the kind of thing you expect. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. If you have just woken up, incidentally, hello. Welcome to a wet day. Not yet in London. Might be where you are, but so far we have, we have nothing. Uh, steve says, what did you think of the Talisa documentary last week? And I was really shocked when she said her biggest fear was losing all her money, not the fact she might go to prison. No, I mean, I I appreciated that completely. And I have to express a bias because a friend of mine made the programme. So, uh, no, I thought that was quite honest because she worked hard to get her money. And if she lost it all, going to prison, you know, you can go into prison and, and come out of prison again. But to try and make that money back would be difficult. And says, why do celebs have all these weird hanger honours proclaiming how great they are? Well, that's why they're a hanger-oner. If you weren't proclaiming how, how great they were, you're not going to be a hanger-oner. Nobody's going to, why would you want somebody hanging around you who's going to go, God, you're really awful, you're really rubbish. No, you have, to have, uh, you have to have proper people who hang around you and go, I think you're really, really good. And that I like, that I like. Uh, Alan, he says, for us shift workers, your podcasts are our saviour. Nice to know I'm your saviour for, for, what, the free podcasts or the normal podcasts? Either way, they're all extremely good value, ladies and gentlemen. I thought Sinead was interesting. He said, and she says, I bet you wouldn't tickle a shark after turning it over. No rain yet in Felton, but starting to get cloudier. It's Bertha, isn't it? She's flexing her muscles. I noticed, did you see Cambridge the other day? Cambridgeshire, the, uh, the flooding that they had down there was absolutely atrocious. I felt, uh, I felt a bit sorry for people. We've, we've, we've seen flooding around my neck of the woods, but it's going to have to go something to flood me out. But uh, looking at the other people in Lower Sunbury and Walton-on-Thames, they've had an absolute disaster. They don't want any more of that. Thank you very much indeed. Proper raining in Peckham, says Kev. <laughs> and uh, the answer is uh, some rain in Orpington, which is good. Rain in Orpington, so we like uh, rain in Orpington. We do, we do like rain in Orpington, actually. <laughs> uh, not that I've been to Orpington for ages. More is on the way. I shall stay propped on the pillows listening to LBC. Yes. Uh, another one. Raining in Brockenhurst, says Alex. Thank you. Michael says, I couldn't be happier it's going to rain on these ego-inflated cyclists. Hope they stick to the highway code. I don't think they will do, because all the roads are being blocked off so they can cycle about all over the place. All over the place. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Other stories of the papers. Karen Malone today. Not one of her better columns, actually. She's normally a bit, a bit better than this, and I don't... Uh, I don't sort of... She talks about Melissa Reed and Michaela McCollum. You remember these two drug smugglers? You remember these, the drug mules? Oh, we were held up at gunpoint. Lying old bags. In a Peruvian jail. Oh, it's horrible. Anyway, so they're now coming back to this country. And she says it must be a bit like living in a grotty B&B in the, uh, in the end of nowhere and then being told you're moving to the Dorchester. Still drug smugglers, as far as I'm concerned. Still drug smugglers. I spare, I spare no, uh, no sympathy for these two druggies at all, I'm afraid. At all. Uh, she talks as well about Commander Sarah West. This is the... And, and she says the same... And Carol Malone is saying the same as I said last week. Is it dense of me to ask why the fact the Navy's first ever woman warship commander had an affair with another officer meant she had to be fired? 
Commander Sarah West had sex with someone she shouldn't have, which I suspect men at sea have been doing for years, but it didn't rob her of her ability to run a ship, so why sack her? Of course, the misogynists in the service will be delighted. This gives them the perfect excuse to block the promotion of other women to high office on the basis they're fiddity-gibbets who can't be trusted. Yes, I didn't understand why having an affair with somebody meant you couldn't run a warship. Quite clearly she could. Quite clearly she could run a warship and have an affair at the same time. But I, I do like the line, you know, she, uh, she had sex with somebody she shouldn't have been, which, of course, we all suspect sailors of all the time doing, don't we? A sailor, is it girl in every port? Or is it man in every port? Or is it... It doesn't really matter what it is. But if you're a commander and you're running a warship, apparently you're not allowed to have an affair with somebody. Admittedly, he was married. But then, surely that's their business. Does it alter the way she runs a ship? I don't think so. Quarter to seven. Morning, everybody. 14 minutes to seven. Sunday morning in London town. Overcast, no rain. But apparently it's, it's raining on Portland. Snow in Shepherd's Bush, says Robert. And it deserves to. Um, so, Kerry Katona and her fiancé. This is the ill-fated George. This is George, who... There's children in the house, and he's doing steroids. And he's doing alcohol and has a, a breakdown, because steroids make you go paranoid. And so, anyway, luckily for Kerry Katona, they were able to sell that story uh, to the Sun newspaper. And so now, they're going to fix their relationship problems. So, are they going to see an expert? No. They're going to the Speakmans. Yes, the ridiculously, the ridiculously stupid Speakmans, who literally, uh, in this particular one, they will make clients ride in a DeLorean car like the one from the movie. Apparently, they've helped Kim Marsh and, um, and Kerry before, which is lovely. They're sort of, they're really marvellous, aren't they? I think they're barking mad, I'm afraid. Barking mad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust anything that they ever said at all to me. But they've also done Anthony Costa... David Guest and Katie Price. So, in other words, it's real Z-list stuff. Real Z-list. And so this is going to help Kerry Katona's fellow. I would have thought, actually, proper people, like at the Priory, or medically qualified people, as opposed to a bunch of crackpots. You know, it's just going to be a silly little television programme, but I suppose it's the best way that poor old Kerry can make a living nowadays. And if you can't make it for yourself, then uh, get the old, uh, the old man involved. And I think, and I could be wrong, I think we're coming to the end of Big Brother. It's a great shame that nobody's watching it. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's a case of they've just been droning on and they got rid of somebody the other day called Mark Byron, the mouthy scouser. I've never seen such an embarrassment. I've never seen anybody. There's nothing worse, is there, than a camp scouser. I mean, I didn't think it was actually possible that, you know, you could get a combination of a very, very affected voice and somebody desperately unattractive at the same time, who, of course, the public hated. And that's why they kicked him out. This is the man who went in there and said, you know, my, my family don't, don't know about me. I thought, are they blind or something and deaf? Because I would have thought, actually, a blind drug mule from Peru would have known that you were gay. And so he goes on the programme and he's, he's just an embarrassment. An embarrassment, full stop. And so he's, he's been seeing somebody in the Big Brother house inside, but of course because it's just pretend. And I have to tell you, because nobody's watching this programme, and he says, I'm going to dump him to please my family which shows what a pathetic person he is. So anyway, they kicked him out the other night, thank goodness. He didn't actually have any best bits. It was just it was just being a camp scouser, which didn't kind of work for me. And I don't know who's left in the house. Some very odd people, very odd people. So I, I did watch it, just so I could... If somebody asks me about it, then I feel I can comment and I can say, well, I have seen little bits of it. But it's just... It's not being watched by anybody. They're not, they're not mentioning it in the newspapers. Oh, look, who's that? Louise Thompson. Who's Louise Thompson? 
Oh, Louise Thompson is from Made in Chelsea. Is she the one who's been out with everybody? That's right. Oh, well, anyway, her parents must be really thrilled. Well done, you, Louise. Because apparently um, they've, she's been wowing them in America with her sensational looks. What sensational looks? I don't want to be rude about people, but, you know, when they say, you know, telly babe and stuff like that, you just think, do you mean baby? They mean infantile. Because, so she's pictured here, you know, sort of wearing no, no top on. Don't worry, she's got her scrawny arms covering her scrawny boobs. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't actually tell, tell the truth here. And so she's done a special treat for Daily Stun... Daily... I can't even read it. A special treat for Daily Star Sunday readers. Lucky old you, eh? Lucky old you. You can colour that in later. A special treat. It's a shame, actually, that she professes to being so classy and yet she's so down market. So down market. Um, apparently, Hollyoaks is still going on and Nikki Sanderson has signed a new deal that'll keep her in the soap for another year. Again, nobody really watching. Nobody watching. But at least the good news is that when you see somebody on a telly programme and you don't know who they are, the chances are that they'll be in Hollyoaks. So that's good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. One winner on the lottery, £7 million. One winner. Have you had your email? I don't know, actually, if I had my email. Let me just have a quick check. Normally, they're actually quite uh, quite good with sending me my emails. I like to know what's uh, what's going on in the world. Have I had... Uh, wait a minute. Where's support? Uh, oh, there you go. Steve, we have news about your... Ti- oh, I've had two. Two emails about my ticket. We have t- news about the ticket that you bought... Uh, for the oh for the Friday the eighth draw now nobody won that that was twenty four million nobody won that one so I haven't had anything for uh, for Saturdays as yet don't worry don't worry I will seven million what would you do with seven million would you retire no not on seven million <sighs> I don't think so I think I'd buy I'd buy Kerry Katona a one way ticket to Peru I would I, I, as, a, as, a, as an act of generosity. Well, failing that, we'd have her embalmed and stick her with the terracotta warriors in China. I'd quite like that idea. And you can go, these are the terracotta warriors. And this is one we unearthed a short while ago. This is Kerry Katona. Very funny, very funny model, this one. Hardly moved. Oh, this is her, her boyfriend, George. We've had him embalmed as well. And occasionally he goes a bit mad. That'd be great fun. Perhaps I could, could do a list of people I could take there who could be embalmed. I was going to say Katie Price, but she looks like she's embalmed already, so uh, there's no point in sort of doing it twice. Don't want to waste the formaldehyde, do we? And uh, what else? What, who else would I put over there? Helen Flanagan, I suppose. Definitely Louise Thompson, having seen her sort of pictures. I feel like cutting it out, sending it to her parents, going, was it worth the really decent education to end up, you know, on page 18 of the Daily Star? Not even page 3, page 18. That's how little they think of her. Uh, Gethin Jones has asked why he's still single. Because you're boring. Okay, I thought I'd tell you that now. You are boring. Uh, The quiz show, 21, uh, is just not... It's called the the 21st Question. It's really dull. And unfortunately, it's not helped by the fact that he's also really dull in it. And I I I don't say that to be cruel. I'm saying that to be brutally honest, that when you do a quiz show on the television, there is an art to doing it. Certain people can do quiz shows on the television. Bradley Walsh can do a quiz show. Bob Monkhouse was the quiz master. Uh, Bruce Forsyth, the quiz master. Nobody else has ever come anywhere near close. Or you had um, Leslie Crowther was very good, you know, on the, on the prices right. Lots of, lots of people like that who were very good. Unfortunately, just putting Gethin Jones on there because they go, oh, he's really good looking. It's not enough to make a quiz show host. Otherwise, I'd be doing them all because I'm a stunner. OK, and, you know, people look at me and they go, stunner. So they get their tasers out and, um, and they do that. 
They get rid of me very quickly. So you have to know your limits. And unfortunately, Gethins is he can't present. There's an art to doing a quiz show. I mean, you've only got to look at poor old Benjamin Shepherd struggling with, a, with a, a game where he involved putting plastic coins into a machine to knock them off the end, which we were doing as children about 40 years ago. Well, I was doing it 39 years ago. And so that's why, Gethin, you're still single. You're boring. OK? I, so I can't put it any more plainly. I'll drop it in a postcard to you if you like, if it helps. And uh, perhaps I can point you in the direction. I've, I've got some woman in mind for you, actually. I've got some woman. Mind you, you might have to compete in the publicity stakes. She might be wanting a bit more publicity. Because people in, in show business, have you noticed, they tell you about their love life. Nobody in radio, apart from Christo, tells you about their love life. I mean, Christo, to the point of boredom. He started sending me texts yesterday. I don't know why. He was obviously, I, I assume he'd had a chicken Kiev. And he started sending me these texts. And I can't remember what, <laughs> what it was, actually, that it started. And um, where is... I, I, <laughs> Oh, that's right. Um, he says here, um, would you like to do a show with me on New Year's Eve? So, of course, I immediately phoned the police. I'm not being messed around like that. And he says, and it, it, it's going to run from, wait for this one, 10pm to 5am. <laughs> don't think so. I don't, not at my age. And so it went on and all the rest of it. He said, and you can take the mickey out of how fat I'll be in 2015. Well, I mean, might as well do how fat you've been in 2014 and just sort of extend it into the next year. And, and then he goes on about sort of various... Really, it's the most boring text I've ever had backwards. In the end, I'm thinking, how do I just curtail this uh, without it? And, uh, and then, he sort of, then he says to me, any other gossip? Because he obviously like, he likes to keep up with, with the gossip. And then we sort of mentioned a few things. And, um, and then he says here... Oh, that's right. His favourite is Dan Osborne. He likes Dan Osborne. Dan Osborne was the one from May, uh, The Only Way's Essex, and he did Splash, didn't he? He's also, I believe, a role model for, for gay people uh, in Attitude magazine. I think he's the, he's the fitness guru. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, I think Christo could spend about five years with a fitness guru. It wouldn't make the slightest difference. He's never going to change his body shape. It's always going to be rotund. It's, it's, he's always going to look like that. It doesn't really matter. Nothing the matter with being rotund, is there? I just think it's, you know, and then he sort of, then he tries to hit on everybody. When we had the, the meeting the other week, we all come in and we, we go through the audience figures, which was lovely. And, uh, and they tried to do a group hug at the end. I don't, I, don't do, I don't do group hugs. I just don't like it at all. Uh, here she is, the, uh, this is the singer, Amel Beraba. And I think she was in Sugar Babes, but to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really not too sure. And she's in, I think, this Tumble programme. They all appear to be in it, including terrified Ian H. Watkins. He's 38. Good Lord, that old. Looking, looking much older, of course. And could have been great if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't so irritating. And Carl Frosch has revealed that starring on Tumble ruined his sex life and could cost him £16 million. Because there's a lot of money in, in boxing. £16 million. Imagine there being that much money in boxing. Why did I never take up boxing? I was watching a lot of people the other day who were protesting about the Gaza Strip and saying, you know, free Palestine and everything else, and two women who were interviewed on the television saying, you know, it's this, it's terrible, people are dying, people are being shot, innocent civilians, and I agreed with everything there. And then they said, and what's the British government doing? You know, they're doing nothing. So there they are protesting freely on the streets here about something which basically has nothing to do with us. And, uh, and they say, what are the British government doing? Well, they've just raised about £10 million. And also we have a little girl of three who's just arrived in this country. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're kind of picking up the pieces afterwards. Here is little Hala al-Masri, whose name means halo in Arabic, 
rushed to hospital after landing at Heathrow because she's got this uh, this hole in her heart and she's going to have life-saving surgery. That's what we do. We send money over. There is aid going over there. We're doing something. You can't actually stop people fighting. It's just not physically possible. It's been going on so many years. I did say last week, you know, it would be lovely. Oh, there's a ceasefire. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, there's not. And then we had another ceasefire. I thought, that's going to go some... Oh, no. And then after a little while, that one collapsed as well. So that's why it's so sad. But we do pick up the pieces. We do pick up the pieces. Um, Peach is Geldof's older sister. Did you understand this one? Christo read this out, and I, I remember it sticking in my mind. And she's told her two younger siblings that they will not be bridesmaids at her wedding. I wasn't actually aware she had a wedding imminent. But uh, she seems to think it'll be very odd with the two girls uh, being bridesmaids without Peaches. So instead of Pixie and Tiger Lily, Fifi will have six close friends as her bridesmaids when she marries Andrew Robertson next month, including Naomi Batrick. So there you go. Her engagement, uh, this is a week after her father, Bob, proposed to his long-time girlfriend, Jean-Marie. I don't know, it's all, it's all going on in the Geldof family, isn't it? They are a bit of a disfun- dysfunctional family. Uh, TV's Mario has apologised. Mario Falcone, who's issued an astonishing... 260-word grovelling apology after the sun exposed him snorting cocaine. Mario, former boyfriend of Shelby Billingham, whoever she is, um, has now admitted seeking professional help after he went off the rails. It's hilarious, isn't it? He says, I would like to apologise to my loyal family and friends, all of my co-stars on ITV. He's in such a delusional world. And he says, and to all my fans. I'm sorry, You really are delusional, aren't you? He says, after a few personal issues, I went off the rails. There we go. This is the old cobblers that comes out, isn't it? Well, I've had a few personal issues. So what did you do? Cocaine. You know, I just turned to cream cakes. He turns to cocaine. You know, I wasn't aware it was that easy to get hold of, but if you're Mario Falcone, quite clearly it is. And he says, I I hope that the producers and ITV will see my genuine remorse. Well, we're watching your grovelling, but it's not kind of working. I think you should be dumped from the programme immediately. He says, "I, I have been seeking professional assistance. Oh, good. Where, where, where would that be? I'd be more interested to discover who has been helping you with this. He says, and I'm now fit and well. Well, you were fit and well before, darling. It's just that you took cocaine and you were caught. And that's why you've had to do the grovelling thing. Don't put him back on the show. He was rubbish. It's me being caring this morning. It's nice to be caring, isn't it? I, you know, if I think about people a lot, I think, I think I come across as a bit of a sort of a good Samaritan. You know, I'm offering... I mean, put it so, I'm offering the opportunity for ITV to find somebody else for his job. You know, kick him out on the street. He's got a job as a tailor, so he might as well keep that one. But, of course, uh, the profile's what you need, isn't it, Mario? But uh, I'm advising ITV not to take you back. There you go, just me being caring. You know, I'm helping you out of a dilemma. So if you have another one of your lapses, you don't turn to that. Uh, Nigel Farage, storm of protest. Helen Mirren, happily married for 20 years, but apparently she still considers it voluntary imprisonment. And terrified border control workers at Heathrow and Gatwick are unprepared to deal with an outbreak of Ebola. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen with you until 8 o'clock this morning. And then Petrie and Stig will be here. I'm trying to get out of London as quick as possible. 22,000 cyclists and bad weather. Nothing kind of uh, go together for me. Uh, Daniela Westbrook has a public spat with her boyfriend in the papers today. Ebola has a problem now here. It's moved to Nigeria. Uh, and uh, some of the other stories, the... Uh, the Muslims become Muslim by noon today or will kill all of you, say the Islamic State thugs. And this is the thousands of people stranded on a mountain 
near Sinjar, fleeing towards Syria through a secure corridor opened by the Kurdish troops. It's a dreadful situation for the people, and they're dropping as much aid as they can. That and your texts and emails between now and 8 o'clock makes up this morning on LBC. Just started raining in Twickenham, says Lisa. Just driven back from London with my husband, Jason. is to start the Prudential 100-mile ride this morning. His start time is 6.02. Or was 6.02. Oh, right, are they staggered? Are they- they've started riding, have they, already? You can tell I'm not a cyclist, can't you? I mean, I'm the world's worst. <laughs> Give me a cycle, you know, and, and no. Uh, raining, says Sally in Worcestershire. No wind yet. Got the veg off the plot for dinner just in time. How lovely. And Jane in Bickley says, I watched this film, Saving Mr Banks, the story about P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins. I know you have an interest in many things, and Travers is buried in Twickenham. Yes, I know. And Hilda says, you are naughty. I'm very glad to say that. And uh, Steve, the person I want to see embalmed is the very irritating Keith Lemon. Well, again, you see, I'm just assuming he is embalmed. I can't believe somebody can be that naff. And um, history of quiz shows on this evening. Uh, Anna says, I auditioned for Big Brother. Oh, Lord. And uh, Kevin says, it's very damp in Essex this morning, but no rain or wind at the moment. Well, that's OK, isn't it? We, we can cope with things like that. We are checking about the weather in the capital, just to make sure. And uh, I'm on the M40 on the outskirts of Warwick. No rain, but it looks dodgy, says Steve. Looks dodgy. I like that idea. Looks dodgy. Not much action in Lewisham, says Jeff. No, there never is, is there? I've been to Lewisham. Hardly the place you go for action. He says, so staying close to you until heaven's open later on, I guess. Well, so they keep saying. But I'm looking out of the window, and it is it is overcast. And bearing in mind, I'm in Leicester Square. And, and it does look overcast, but certainly nothing as yet. Can you give the listeners a, a Christine Bleakley? How are you? As we haven't had one yet, says Stuart. It's raining in Motherwell. So it should be. You deserve it. It's your own fault for living there. I like the idea of raining in Motherwell. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, I spoke to, spoke to Dorman Dom and little Julie. We decided we want Paul Savory, John Warrington and Julie Peasgood back on your show, says Karen. Will you be doing a show at Christmas this year? We are at the Magic Circle Christmas. I'll tell you about that later in the year. And uh, Winnie says, I was going to Kingston today to watch the cyclists whiz by, but due to the weather, I'm having a day at home baking. I'm going to start by baking the Christmas cake and then a key lime pie. Yeah, Christmas cake would be good to do now. And then every so often, add a bit of whiskey. You know, you can do that. You sort of inject a little bit of whiskey into it. No rain in Southall, says, <laughs> says Winnie. Uh, Adam says, we're used to hurricanes in America. Normally starts eerily calm before the heart of the storm hits. It's where you get the expression, the calm before the storm. Then you get periods of heavy rain and the wind, followed by no rain as the storm spins. It can be very exciting. Yes, I mean, I've, I've been in a typhoon before. And because I was very young, I didn't realise the implications of being in a tycoon. Uh, in all the forces, it is frowned upon when a commander has a personal relationship with a more junior rank. It's thought it could compromise operational efficiency because the commander might find it difficult to give direct military orders to a lover or the more junior rank might find it difficult to accept those orders, says Philip. I know, but when you think about it, it's a bit naff, isn't it? I mean, surely, you know, if she's, a, if she's achieved the position of commander, she's quite clearly not stupid. She's not going to allow her position to be compromised like that, is she? That's why she's achieved that, uh, that uh, position. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. We read everything out on the programme. Raining in Feltham, says little Julie. (coughs) So I have to believe her. If she says it's raining, it's raining. And uh, George, the Warburton's driver, says, could you throw into your embalming session, Christine Blakely, are you? And Frank Lampard. Actually, strangely enough, I'm I'm okay with Frank Lampard. 
I don't really have a problem with Frank Lampard. I did a show once at the... We did the, the, um, the Middlesex show, and we had all these groups on stage, these looky-likey groups, and we had an ABBA tribute group, and uh, they're very good. And I remember somebody saying to me, oh, look, there's Frank Lampard, and he was at the front of the stage. But, I mean, I don't know him, so I can't go, oi, or hiya, you know, just to make him feel at home. It's raining in Goa, said Stephen, but we all know it will be sunny in 30 minutes. Yeah, we've got no idea here. It is like sitting waiting, isn't it? And then, as you say... It slowly builds up, slowly builds up, and then all of a sudden it just uh, gets worse. So I'm, I'm waiting to see. I mean, I'm in two minds at the moment. It's got 50 minutes to rain, because otherwise I might find myself with a dog in Regent's Park, and then the heavens open, and that might not be uh, the best situation. Uh, a picturesque town used for the TV crime series is Penalty Points, capital of England. Where is it? It's Watlington. One in seven motorists in the tiny Oxfordshire market town, have points on their licence, twice the national average. The police hide in hedges. It's quite sweet, isn't it? I like that. And, um... Oh, wait a minute. They, they've cut the, um, ride to London from 100 miles to 86. OK. This is because of the effects of Hurricane Bertha. Uh, the route will now miss out a section covering Leith Hill and Box Hill in Surrey due to the predictions of heavy rain. So, as if that makes a difference, 86 from 100. I can imagine if they went from 100 down to a mile. You know, if you could just all push your bicycles to the end of the road and that'll be it. Because they're obviously predicting this heavy... As I say, nothing here. Nothing. The event director, Hugh Brasher, said the safety of the cyclists, who includes the Bradley Wiggins, was the most important consideration. So it's been, it's been cut back. So they're cutting out. So if you're in Leith Hill and Box Hill in Surrey, it's no good standing by the side of the road, dear. No, no cycles. Not going anywhere near you. You might get a lorry, OK? Or a slurry cart or something like that. But you're not going to be getting... No cycles. OK? So I tell them that. They're all standing there in Leith Hill with their little sandwiches and flask, waiting for something to happen, because nothing happens in Box Hill. You know, people go... I mean, you know, sometimes there's been an event... That's a real good reaction. So, uh, there you go. What is this here? What is this? A guitar used by Alvin Stardust. Do you know, Alvin Stardust... I love you, I love you, I love my cooker. 71 years. 71 years old. I interviewed him years and years ago. He was given this uh, instrument in 1955, and it's got autographs on it from uh, all sorts of people. Uh, Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Uh, it's been signed by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Cliff Richard, and it's been valued at... Million. Million pounds for the autographs. Wow, it's interesting, isn't it? I like that. So he's got a guitar worth a lot of money. A lot of money. Now, when he did the Beatles, it was whisked away at the Albert Hall and it was signed and brought back to him. Now, herein lies the problem. The Beatles autographs are very rare to get as a set, as a genuine set. Because not only could the girls who worked at Apple sign the Beatles' signatures... But the Beatles themselves could sign for other Beatles. So if John and George had left, the other two could sign for them. And so people would say, oh, I actually got this. And all the experts will say to you, every time I know, because I've done it over the years, did you see the Beatles signing it? And if you say no, there's a very good chance. And they know by looking at them whether somebody else signed. I think John could sign for George and Paul, because they all learnt to do it. And the other thing that they had at the time was auto-pen. And auto, you've heard of auto-pen? Auto pen is this, it's a little gimmick and it's a pen 
quite clearly auto, and it's an automatic pen, and it does the signature, and then it just copies it, but does it in pen every time. So it's always exactly the same signature. Whereas if you look at your signature... You know, we all, I mean, heavens above, everybody in radio has practised their signature. Christo is still practising writing his name now. He's still writing, Christo. And it's taken him ages. The spelling's a bit of a problem, but he's, he's getting there slowly but surely. But auto pen meant that they came in ink. And so people go, oh, it's done in ink. You go, that's no, an auto pen one, because it's absolutely identical. Whereas every time you do your signature, it's, it's different. Mine, I used to do mine, and somebody go, looks like Swellen, because I used to do S. Allen. Steve Allen. And, but gradually, after you've done about 20 of the things, they get worse and worse and worse, as people will testify. So uh, let's hope that they are genuine. They, if they are genuine, it's worth a million pounds, and that's worth having. So just again, for those people doing uh, Ride London, they've cut it from 100 to 86 miles. This is on the information from the Met Office, who've issued a yellow warning. So Leith Hill and Box Hill in Surrey... It'll now not include. Where they go, I don't know. Perhaps they just circumnavigate you and sort of disappear off. Uh, One of the Queen's top new physicians, who is Professor Hugh Thomas, was promoted to a new position last month. And uh, the job has been filled by a leading specialist in the study of of endocrinology and diabetes. I don't know what endocrinology is, but I know what diabetes is. Absolutely. I really do. Uh, Other stories of the papers today. When the floods came, it wasn't a faulty pump that killed our son. It was deadly cyanide gas. And this was um, when the River Thames burst its banks down at Chertsey. And uh, this little boy died. It was cyanide gas. Leaking a landfill site caused the was the real cause of death, and there's been a bit of a cover-up, so they've done a, an exposure on it in the Mail on Sunday today. Quarter past seven. Morning, everybody. Nick back with you uh, tomorrow morning, provided the weather subsides. So they're obviously anticipating that it's going to get really bad if they've now managed to cut the ride London from 100 miles to 86. That's because the Met Office have said to them that Hurricane Bertha's remnants will be felt in the UK, and they're obviously saying it could be quite, quite bad. As I say, here, nothing. Seriously, I mean, I'm, I might be eating my words in about ten minutes' time, but at this precise moment, it's, uh, it's just fairly normal. Uh, Noreen says, No rain in St Albans, but gale force winds. Uh, I've had to take the umbrellas down. Well, I've, well I've, t- I've taken them down, I've just folded them down. And says, Sadly, I never got the Beatles autographs, but loads of 60s groups and yours and the gang, John, Paul, Alan. Oh, she says, windy out there. Well, that's what they're saying, isn't it? If it ruins my hair, I'm going to be in a foul mood for the rest, rest of the day. <laughs> As if, as if anything could ever change my hair. As if anything could. Uh, actually, I got another one because it was a birthday we were celebrating today, I believe. And uh, Shirley, a very happy birthday from the gang, from Noreen, uh, et al. And Patsy's granddaughter is beautiful and says, uh, did you get to watch Tumble? Was it good? Mm, well, debatable. Good is debatable. I mean, the usual suspects, I'm afraid. As I, as I said at the beginning of the programme, it was, it was designed to get an audience. Whether it gets one, I don't know. It's not as good as Strictly. Alex Jones is not a particularly strong presenter, not for something like that. You need somebody who can actually carry a show, and she can't carry a show. She's a great sidekick, but she's not main presenter. Sarah Harding was as bad as I thought she was going to be, which is a shame because you so want them to be better. But, of course, we had the, I can't do it, oh, it hurts, and it's, oh, just get on with it. You can't believe she's a, she's a so-called woman. She's over 30 years old. I find it very difficult to believe, really. Uh, read the drug mules. 
why not let them stay in Peru? That way, I mean, we have to, we, we would now be funding them staying in this country. I totally agree with you. Let them stay where they committed the, of course, they can't wait to get rid of them in Peru, can they? Why should they want to waste time on that? Got enough, enough problems of their own. Raining in Birmingham, says Steve. Well, it always rains in Birmingham. I don't think it ever not rains in Birmingham, does it? It's, uh, it's, it's a fairly sort of wet place. And uh, Maddie and Caroline on their way to uh, work this morning. We don't know where, we just know you're on the way to work. And it's now raining in Southall. My cake is going to have honey rum fed to it once a week. I've started soaking the fruit. My friend made this, did I, I can't remember what it's called, a rum topf. And what it is, it's a little, well, it's not little, it's about, um, it's sort of a, a ceramic jar. And what he does is you put fruit in the bottom and it can be all sorts of fruit. He puts peaches and apples and things like that in. And so you, you do a layer of that and then you pour in a bottle of rum. OK. And and then you leave it. You don't bear in mind, you start doing this beginning of the year. You don't touch it. And then as the fruit absorbs the alcohol, you add more fruit and more rum. And by the time you get to Christmas, what you've basically got is a fruit compote that is going to absolutely have you falling out of the window. It's it's so alcoholic, but it's delicious with ice cream. And because the, it soaked up the rum. It only works with rum, as far as I know. Other people probably tell you other things. But with rum and this fruit, and so you end up with the fruit, so it's part of your five a day. And as the alcohol is so strong, you've got no idea what time of day it is. You don't know if we've had five, ten, fifteen or twenty. And if you had the ice cream, it makes it festive. Because nobody wants to eat Christmas pudding at Christmas. And I'm sorry to mention it now, but if I was you, I'd start looking around at turkeys. Because there could be a shortage this year. But you, you always do the Christmas pudding. Nobody's got the, you haven't got the strength to eat pudding, have you? By the time you've had the turkey, and you've had the little sausages with the bacon, and you've had crispy roast potatoes. They've got to be crispy roast potatoes. I won't have anything if they're not crispy roast potatoes. And we've started, in recent years, having Christmas lunch out. Because nobody wants to cook Christmas lunch. If you can afford to do it in a hotel, do it in a hotel. It's not cheap, but believe you me, it saves arguments, people sweating in the kitchen. My mother drunk as a skunk in the kitchen most years. I mean, honestly, it was just it was awful embarrassing. And so it's easier to go out for Christmas dinner. So this year, we're out for Christmas dinner. And there'll be about uh, ten of us, so, which, is, which is quite nice. It means that a hotel does all the catering. We just sit down, we, we pay the bill afterwards, and, and it's much easier. It takes away all the worry. You have your coffee, you know, you can have presents, give each other one, you know, and things like that. That's always a bit of fun, isn't it? Pull the old cracker, you know, put, put your silly hat on and uh, read your little novelty. I don't, well, it, I, I read the, the snap first, and then I look at the novelty and decide what the dickens I'm going to do with it, because I, I do like a good Christmas cracker. But already, Winnie has started it, so honey rum. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Honey rum. I like the sound of that. Uh, Lorna said it's just starting to rain in Kingston at 7.13. It's got to be heading this way, hasn't it? If I get wet going back to the car, I'm going to be in such a bad mood today, and I try not to be in a bad mood on a Sunday. And uh, Peter's going to be in Kingston as a yellow flag marshal. He said, not looking forward to the rain. It sounds bad if the course has been curtailed. Well, they've knocked a few miles off. They've knocked 14 miles off. So that's, that's OK, isn't it? That's OK. Uh, 8 for 8, 5, oh, baking a lemon drizzle cake, Steve. Waiting for the rain to hit Regent's Park. Well, I, I don't care now. I'm just now trying to work out. Having heard on the travel about all the road cancellations, I'm, I'm, it's in grave doubt whether I'm going to get home to West London. I don't, I don't know how that's going to, to happen. Gently raining in bagshot, says Marcus. No wind. I'm pleased to hear that. I'm glad that's cleared up for you. I was, we were all quite worried, actually. 
Just thought of that one then, actually. Um, uh, Debbie says, have they published in the papers roughly at what time the riders are expected to be where? I can't answer that. I cannot... I wish I knew the answer, Debbie. I'm sure that somebody will help us out and tell us. And, uh, Steve, my signature is like a squiggle and it bothers me, says Ruth. I thought you were going to talk about Baroness Arcee. Oh, we wander on this programme. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. I mean, she is in a lot of the papers. Uh, mainly because she's, uh, she's come out and she said the Tories can't win the next election. The reason being that they failed the ethnic minorities... Uh, and she's also on the front of the... Well, they're on the front of the Telegraph. Uh, they're actually talking about the 150,000 starving refugees, many fear dead, many at the hands of barbaric extremists. There's pictures in some of the papers of them being shot, just people shot at close, uh, at, uh, close range. Uh, here is the Baroness Varsi on the Independent, speaking out over her resignation over Gaza, the public school tourism being not good enough. She's obviously got a lot of bitterness and hatred in her. She's determined to offload it to whoever will listen. And uh, I found it because she's spread over two pages in the papers. And it's a case of, uh, we always said that there was maybe more of a hidden agenda to her and there was more that she was actually telling us. And so now it turns out that there is a lot more. So she's on the front of the papers and she's, uh, she's not happy. She's not happy at all, I'm afraid. And if I can find the article in the paper today, I will read part of it to you. But it's, it's a shame. Her, the, the main headline is, she says, that some of the bitchiest women I've ever met in my life are the men in politics. That's uh, a bit of a, an indictment, isn't it? It's a bit sort of damning sort of on, uh, on everything that she stood for. But obviously she's not happy. And that's why, presumably, she's gone to the papers and she's sold her story. And she says, I want to be able to live with myself after politics. And she says here it's a, an oddly mundane subject to conjure up an emotion. But uh, Varsi says when she looks at it now, because there's a child's football net, you can see it from the windows of her front room, and the kids have been using it. She says when she looks at it now, she can't help but think about the four Palestinian boys killed by an Israeli shell playing football on a beach in Gaza. She says, at the weekend, my kids are out there playing football. And that was uh, just, what were those mothers thinking? What were those fathers thinking? She says, I wasn't so naive as to think we could go and fix it. At least we could start by calling what we saw as fundamentally wrong and humane. Some have said that her criticism was calculated. She used the crisis to step down either because she didn't get the promotion she wanted. Some said she was not up to it. I think Andrew Pearce was saying she's, uh, she was a bit overhyped, or failing that she'd fallen out with, with David Cameron. Either way, there's a lot of bitterness. And uh, she says here, I don't care if they can't stand me, but I won't have them say when you work ten times as hard as anybody else where you've got to that she can't do the job. So, so a lot of bitterness and chips on shoulders are all coming out now, and she's in the papers, and you'll probably read it later on, and you'll make up your own mind over whether or not you like her or not. You might not even have heard of her before. It wasn't until she, she resigned that you probably then sort of started hearing about uh, her. But she says some interesting things. Probably what a lot of other people are, are saying as well. Uh, the Sunday Mirror. Kim Marsh on a beach with a photographer and her, her new play friend. Because she does wander between play friends. A bit like Lucy Mecklenburg. She's another one partying with her tumble partner. It might be totally innocent, but frankly I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. She comes with history. Um, apparently... Uh, NHS boob job girl's pal reveals friends with benefits arrangement. This is the ghastly Josie Cunningham. And uh, she's a bit low rent. She's a bit tacky. 
And she said uh, on her website that she's got lots of appearances lined up in nightclubs. What sort of nightclub would want to take her on? I can't imagine. But I suppose there must be a few of them. Uh, raining at Gatwick Airport, says Daniel. I've just landed in it. Yes, it would be. It would, it would be raining there. It would be. And uh, Julietta says, it looked as if it rained overnight in Kings Langley and partially dry, but it's raining now. So I'm going to Hounslow to visit my mum later. If you can get through. Seems that West West London's going to come under it. Uh, Richard says, I was a fan of Alvin Stardust in his previous incarnation as Shane Fenton. Yes, it was Shane Fenton and the Fentones, wasn't it? And it was Magnet Records, set up by Pete Waterman, uh, who signed Alvin Stardust. And Alvin Stardust, my cuckoo was the first free record I ever got as a DJ. There was an advert in Melody Maker or Record Mirror saying, if you're a DJ and you want to be put on our mailing list, write it. So I wrote in, you know, I'm a DJ in London clubs. And, they, and the first record I got through, I'd never had a free record in my life. It arrived through the post. My cuckoo Couldn't believe it. My cuckoo And, um... And then sort of followed him, you know, through his uh, career and interviewed him down at Magnet Records, which were just off Marylebone High Street. I can remember sitting there. Sunny was the PR girl. She used to do a happy, sunny face when she said, oh, this is the latest record. Be happy, smiley face. And, uh, and Pete Waterman and the rest, as they say, is history. Time now is seven. Oh, it's a bit late, actually. 7.31. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Dale tells me the rain's starting over this side of the country. Summer is that. This is the man who goes into Poundland to buy condoms because they're a pound. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've never heard of such a thing in my life, but there you go. He says, not much wind yet. Why is everybody telling me about their personal problems as if I'm remotely interested on a Sunday? And, uh, and Helen says, uh, raining in Uxbridge. Oh, shortly to be Boris territory, is that what they tell me? Uh, soon to do the Christmas displays. Good grief. And Mike says, uh, he's in Gosport, it's lashing down, but the Alsatian says, still go for a walk. They don't care dogs, do they? They don't care. It's probably quite exciting if you're a dog to go out there in the rain. And poor old Sarah, who's in Kent, forgot to bring the washing in last night, so <laughs> you might, might as well just leave it there. Uh, in Hertfordshire... Heavy rain, started to rain very heavily, says Lolly, but I expect whatever the weather, the cyclists will be out. And Barbara says, here in Porthcall, the thunder and lightning and heavy rain. That's like the title of a song, doesn't it? And uh, Deanna says, just got in from work at St Helier Hospital. Sorry to report that it's teeming with rain. Not a good day to embark on an 86-mile bike ride. Not a good day to stay in. No, sorry, a very good day to stay in the warm and dry. Raining in Bushy. But I don't mind, says Lynn. It didn't yesterday, so Mum and Dad's move went well. Jackie says it's raining in Coolston. Great to have you on Sundays as well. And Yvonne says raining in Berkhamsted, but not heavy yet. There you go, Berkhamsted. Yay! One of your own writes in. He's very happy about that now. Actually, everybody's moving out to Berkhamsted. It seems to be the new place to move to for Berks. It's very good. Yeah, it'd be nice for Lidl's. Yeah, they, are you having a Lidl? How lovely. Do you have a fish and chip shop? Oh, right. Did you have a Chinese takeaway? Two Chinese... Do you have a, a kebab shop? Just one kebab shop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, I was thinking... Because they're always open quite late, aren't they? Kebab shops. <laughs> and, uh, and Maxine says, It's raining in Boreham Wood. I hope the housemates aren't in the garden having a cigarette, getting very wet. Nothing worse. And Brian says, It's raining at Kew Bridge. It's stair rods by the dozen. It'll save me watering the patio plants. Stephen Potter's bar says it's raining there. Big air show in Blackpool today. Including the red arrows may be cancelled if the storm comes in. Raining in Palmer's Green, and uh, says Sue, and it's raining in Hemel Hempstead. Started to drizzle in Tooting. 
which I think is very funny, actually. <laughs> and Sid and Sally. Fox Terriers up on the common. Sid ran, ran back to the van. Raining in Rice Slip, says Liz in Pinner, which is, uh, which is fantastic. I love the idea that, that it's going all over the... Everywhere except here. Ever except where it's meant to be raining. In fact, it's just brightened up here. All of a sudden, there's a bit of sunshine. Oh, please, it's got to rain, isn't it? How I'm going to get home? I'm trying to work out, actually, how bad it is to get to West London. I don't know what's going to be closed and whether I can get home. Of course I can get home. They can't stop you going home, can they? I'll just have to plough through the cyclists. It's as simple as that. I should go, I'm a diabetic. I need to get home. Uh, Bill Roach, thrilled to be back in the swing of things. Apparently, when he went back into Corrie, got an audience of a million more people. Uh, Michael Lavelle, who plays Kevin Webster, they were going to put him in Celebrity Big Brother, but they've said he's too boring. Which actually, to be brutally frank with you, he is fairly boring. He is fairly boring. So uh, now it's nice to see Bill Roach in the papers today. Uh, Jennifer Aniston has told how she would never resort to Botox or cosmetic surgery. Would you do it? Would you do Botox? I don't know. I thought about a gastric band. I, I quite like the idea of having a gastric... I quite like the idea of just seeing, even if it's just for, you know, a short period of time, just see what you look like being thin. You know, when you've sort of been, you're putting out, I'm not as big as some people around here, but I mean, you know, if you're sort of, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, honestly. don't need to point to the finger or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, so if, if you are carrying a little bit of weight, it must be quite nice to then sort of just lose it, just so you could look at yourself in the mirror and go, that's what I look like if I was, but then you see, I don't want to look gaunt. You know, you don't want to start looking a bit sort of... If, if you lose a bit of weight on your face, it starts sagging. And as you get a bit older, and as I'm now heading into my 40s, you know, we're getting to that stage where I don't want to look a bit sort of emaciated. So perhaps actually carrying a bit of weight is actually quite good. Uh, raining in Guildford. Heavy wet traffic on the A13. Barking on the way home from work. Uh, fairly heavy rain in Red Hill, says David. Started at 7.10. And uh, talking of free records, says Will, in the 80s... You could cut a coupon out of a magazine, send it to the cigarette company, saying you were a smoker over 18, and they would regularly send you a few free packets of unmarked white boxes. Do you know, that rings a bell. I think, well, I'm sure you're right, but it rings a bell with me as well. Uh, Michael Levy, says Terry, set up Magnet Records. Pete Waterman uh, was the promo guy. Did you get two copies of Fly Robin Fly? And you could play, play parts one and two. Yes, I forget who did Fly Robin Fly. It was, was it Silver Convention? Was it Silver Convention? If memory serves me, I'm generally quite good on remembering record titles. Fly Robin Fly was part one and two, and I think it was Silver Convention. Are you checking it? I'm sure it's Silver Convention. I'm never wrong. I'm never, I always like to let, let people check things, but I'm fairly good on remembering my, my records and the titles. So it was on Magnet, Fly Robin Fly, Silver Convention... It's very slow internet, isn't it, at the moment? We like to check these things. Am I right? I love being right. It's sickening, actually, when you're up. But it's only because I remember free records. There used to be a guy who used to work for EMI Records, Warner Brothers, and his name was Fred Dove. He might be listening to this programme now. I have no idea, but I could never get on Fred Dove's mailing list. He used to come round to the discos where you'd work, and he obviously had his, his favourite DJs, and I never got on his list. And he, he was from Warner Brothers, and he had the best records. So you'd get things from various record companies. But a friend of mine worked for... EMI, and he did all their duplicating, and he used to get all their free records, and so when I used to go down and see him, he'd give me a stack of them, and they all had big A's stamped on them for, I don't know what the A stood for, actually, was a, they, they were all promo copies, and it had a big A, so when you were playing the records, people would look at you and go, oh, did you get that for free? you go, I get all my records for free. 
But Dale and I used to go to a place off the Tottenham Court Road called Contempo, and they would have the very latest American import records. And you'd stand in a booth and they'd play stuff. I think we, we were the first ones to play the Beach Boys' Here Comes the Night, which, which died on its, on its proverbial in the discos because it was a bit ahead of its time. But we, we were playing stuff. Well, he was actually really good at records. He was very good. But I do remember, you always remember a free record of Fly Robin Fly. <laughs> I used to buy everything, the Munich Machine, all of that kind of stuff. It was all, all very popular. TSOP, MFSB, all that kind of stuff. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> there we go. And, um, all right, Raining in Harrow. I hear from my young friend Kay, and uh, and she says uh, Michael Levy is now the Lord Levy. Is he really? He was the one that started Magnet Records. Isn't that funny? Is it funny how you sort of? I don't think I ever met. I might have met him once, but I don't think I ever met him any more than any more than that. So he's now Lord Levy. I don't know. I don't know. Wendy in Farnborough says. Um, if you want to see what you look like being thin, look in those funny mirrors in the fun fairs. Yeah, but I always get the mirror where I'm sort of fat. So that's why I get a bit depressed. Sean says, just been on the, the rain-lashed beach at Pagham near Bognor Regis. And my two dogs, sea's very rough. Stay away from it. Bridget says, raining in Little Hormy, just north of Bishop Stortford. Out with the dogs, getting very wet. And uh, Dave in Newport says, the sun is shining in Newport. That's right, ruin it. Well, it's here. There's nothing here at all. Seriously, I've never... But I'm not going to risk going for a walk just in case I'm going to get very wet and I'm not going to be a happy person. Lynn from the kiosk in Clacton says, not raining yet. And Jace says, great show as per usual, raining in Selsey. Raining in Finsbury Park, says Dorothy. And (laughs) Tricia says, raining in Notting Hill, blowing your way. Thank you very much indeed. Raining in Dorking and uh, everybody else. Lots of very dark clouds, says Dave in Wendover. And, uh, and somebody says, wouldn't it be better if you're told where it's not raining? Here! Here it's not raining! It's got to rain. It's got to rain this morning. It's got to justify me not going for a walk. <laughs> Quarter to... Morning, everybody. It's uh, Steve Allen with you. Sunday morning. I'm the only one sitting here giving you the most accurate weather forecast that there could be. It's not raining. Not here it's not. Where you are, it might be. And it's not raining in Gilston either, says Neil. Well, at the moment... At least, he says. But in certain parts of the country, I quite clearly accept it is. All I'm worried about now is how I'm going to get home. I'm not worried about the rain. It cleans the car. It makes it look quite nice. And you know I've got a funeral to go to on Wednesday. And what I like to do before... Not always, but because it's reasonably local to me, is I like to do the route beforehand so that when I'm going, I know exactly where I'm going to as opposed to sitting there with a sat-nav saying, at 50 feet, turn left. In 420 yards, turn right. You have reached your destination. So I'd rather drive it today, but now, of course, we've got the cycle rides as well, haven't we? 22,000 people on bicycles. It's my worst nightmare. Raining in Old Coolston, says Tony. Raining in Old Coolston. Good old, good old Kill, uh, Coolston, as they say. And uh, we used to go Contempo, says Jim. Run by John Abbey, though I doubt I could navigate the stairs now. Do you know, it's, I was talking about this to somebody the other day, and it's, it's obviously a sign of us getting old, Jim, when you go... We used to get, I used to go to a place as well, down in... Uh, West Ealing? Yes, it was West Ealing. And that was a record shop as well, in a little cul-de-sac. And you'd go in there, and in the early days... Oh, this is going to age us, Jim. You would listen to a record. Either they would have headphones on the counter and you'd put them on, or they'd say, go to booth three. And you'd have booths... Do you remember... Oh, before your time, is it? They had booths on the wall, and you'd stand in there and listen to your favourite pop tune. You know, whatever it was. And then Contempo, I can't remember. I think it was on headphones. Might have been, but they'd always be playing something, and you'd go, I'll have that one, so they put it on the side. It was different buying vinyl, wasn't it? Completely different buying vinyl. John Abb, I couldn't have told you who was running it. I mean, my memory is not that good. 
not that good. Uh, 7.45, it stopped raining in Kingston, says Lorna. Stop raining in Kings. Mind you, you might have had enough rain to sink the Titanic. But at the moment, it's uh, nothing here in Leicester Square. What a wonderful day to do a sponsored walk, says Sue and Hendon, from Swiss Cottage to Kensington Palace. Hope we don't drown. Do you know there's a horrid piece in one of the papers today on Kensington Palace saying that um, visitors were very disappointed. Now, as you know, I'm a big advocate of historic royal palaces, and I've been to Kensington Palace a few times. And admittedly, the rooms there are fairly sparse. Because in the 17th century and the 18th, they were sparse. The rooms were decorated with, you know, not very much stuff. They didn't seem to have a lot of furniture. They just had rooms that they wandered around in. And so people have complained about it. It's like going to Hampton Court Palace and complaining, ooh, where's all the luxurious furniture? Well, the answer is, you know, it was a lock-up palace, so it didn't have it. They just used to bring it out of mothballs and sit it around, and that was it. People just wandered. So I was a bit disappointed because I like Kensington Palace. It's a, it's a good place to go. Uh, and Aidan says, thought I should tell you, heavy rain at Wembley Park. Do you know, I can't remember where Wembley Park is. Is it, is it twixt Wilsdon and something else? It's around there, is it? Hmm. Obviously not as bad as I thought, actually. My, my, my general knowledge is getting quite, uh, quite good. Raining in Pets Wood. And then Anne says, you are not in need of a gastric band. Well, you know that being diabetic, I might qualify. There's this thing that they've got for type 2 diabetics, which they're going to bring in. I mean, I feel a bit guilty. And it's where they can sort of restrict the amount of food you put in your stomach. I'll just have it liquidised. I'll just have it liquidised. Because last night... See, I'm not sure if, my, if I'm having bigger, bigger portions than most people. Because I don't know what... An, I mean, if you buy two chicken Kievs, surely they're meant for you. <laughs> they're not meant to share, are they? I mean, do you just have one chicken Kiev? Two chicken Kievs. And then I thought I'll have it with some rice. So I had it with some mushroom rice, and that was quite nice. Might have it again today, actually. I don't know. No, I shouldn't, really. I've got to try and vary my food. Um, and Mel says, what's everybody making such a fuss about rain? That's all it is. It's rain. Yes, I know. We understand it is just rain. But, of course, we see it so infrequently in this country. We like to get excited about it. It's rain, and with it comes thunder and lightning and wind. And we had that time before. Uh, apparently, Paddy Fleming... From CBS, says Raymond, in Soho Square, was one of the best pluggers in the 70s and 80s. Yes, I knew Paddy very well. Uh, we had quite a number of people, actually, from, uh, from CBS and from EMI. I used to love the pluggers coming round. Absolutely love I can remember when we used to... Use, I can tell you this now because it's, it's a bit naughty. But there used to be a place in Notting Hill called Record and Tape Exchange. And uh, DJs, working for all the stations, not just uh, us at UBN, uh, used to get records and you'd go and sell them. And they would pay you, I think it was about £2 an album. So when the pluggers had come in, Malcolm from EMI used to say, oh, go through the back of the car. And you go through the back of the car. Woo! Lovely. And, um, <laughs> well, why not? And, um, and we'd go through the back of his car and you'd take all these albums out. And you'd be down re- record and tape exchange selling this stuff. But they were very funny. They used to say, we, we, we can't take it if it's got a sticker on saying promotional copy, not for sale. And after a while, they, they carried on buying it. And so all the DJs went there. And I always remember that. But being able to go through the back of people's cars, it's very funny. It's funny how many of you remember these things. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be remembering these sort of things at all. Really, really good fun. Happy, happy days, as they say. It's, it's stop press, it's pouring down now, says, uh, says Neil. And then some, uh, some rude language after that. Um, I'll just, just quickly um, get some more of your... Uh, oh, oh dear. I've, I've missed my uh, page. I think the, uh, the text messages have gone. The text messages have disappeared. I don't know what I've got on there. If we can get them back again very quickly. Kevin O'Sullivan talking about the, uh, the telly. He talks about Mel and Sue saying it's really like a, an old double act, really. The Kenneth Williams, uh, no ear misses kind of thing. Johnny and Simon. 
down in Bournemouth at the hotel. Morning. Tipping down. Uh, Steve, it's, it's peeing down in Finchley. <laughs> says Rusty. The rain has reached Rygate. It's like being in a car wash, says Gail. Gail, you are in a car wash. OK. Nothing here. Nothing here. Still raining in Marylebone. Oh, it can't be. There's no rain here. How is this possible? Spotted rain, Hampton, in Arden, Solihull, Warwickshire, says Vanessa. Thank you. And it's raining in Enfield. Lullaby Broadway was in West Ealing, says Selwyn. Lullaby. Do you know, I think that's what it was. I think that's what... I'm amazed at how many of you have these fantastic memories that I only have to mention something and you know exactly what it is I'm talking about. Because these go back... This goes back donkey's years. I, I can see the record shop, Lullaby Broadway, but I can't remember what it looked like inside. Lee says it's uh, raining in Sutton. Malcolm says it's p- persistently pouring in Blackpool. And Michael the Painter says you're going to get very wet if you walk in Enfield without a brolly. So thank you. Uh, B&M Records, good vinyl record store in Derby Street, off Berwick Street in Soho, says Steve in Potter's Bar. And Anne-Marie in Camberwell says uh, thunder and lightning and heavy rain. Will the summer never come back? Oh, I don't care, actually. I'm not bothered about that. And Spencer, the chauffeur, says it's uh, raining nice and heavy in Twickenham for those lovely cyclists. We're all so bitter. We're all so bitter when it comes to things like that. But uh, it doesn't really matter. So front pages of the paper. I've got enough time to do the front pages for you. It's uh, the Royal Cops in Missing Weapons probe on the front of the Sunday Mirror. Four Buckingham Palace guards investigated over items seized from visitors. The People, Harry Soldier for Life, which is good news. Cheryl... Because you're worth it. And uh, the Daily Mail, UKIP, tells its youth wing, Copy Hitler, which is a strange story I'll let you read later on. The secrets of Downton Series 5 are revealed. Don't, if you don't want to know. Sunday Express, uh, why Downton's Lady Mary is off to Hogwarts. Flooding, the worst storm of the year roaring in. I'm definitely going to try and get home. I'm definitely, I'm so glad I'm not cycling. Uh, EastEnders, Matt is a serial cheat. So... He's a single person. He's not married to any of these people. He can do what he wants, I suppose. Angel out of hell. The little girl is over for some heart surgery because we do it better than anybody. Daily Star. First of all, I've seen a normal story from them for ages. Ebola. UK airport staff set to strike. Uh, Iraq. We're in for the long haul, say the Independent. And Baroness Varsi speaking out over her resignation over Gaza, the public school Tories, and being not good enough. So uh, all of those things in the papers for today. So I hope we've given you a sort of rough idea. Uh, Paul Hollywood talking about you know how he keeps his marriage alive, as if anybody cares, because you know we've got the baking, so you're going to get baking stories every day. Louis Walsh falling off the stage makes me roar with laughter. Kerry Katona spending time with the Speakmans, the world's most naff couple on the television, I'm afraid. Uh, the worst B-list celebrity show, Tumble, and a few of the obvious ones. The ones who do the posing and the posturing are the ones who actually haven't put the effort in at all. Uh, Mario Falcone seeking help for his cocaine addiction. He's eating as much humble pie to try and get himself back on the television. I'm saying no thank you. Let's keep him off the television. Let's send a good message out to these people. You're caught taking cocaine, you pay the price. You knew what the price was to start with. I'm not interested in your feeble little fumblings afterwards. Have yourself a great weekend. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. I'm back this evening with In Conversation with Sinead O'Connor and Robson Green. So if you like Extreme Fisherman and uh, you're a fan of Sinead O'Connor, both fascinating interviews. OK, so I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at four. You can go to the LBC website and you can learn how to podcast. And there's a free app as well for you to download and we send the free podcast to you Monday to Friday. You can follow me on Twitter as well. It's at Steve Allen Show. But coming up next on LBC, it's Petri and Stig. Mm-hmm.